This is the MLW Radio Network. Hey, everybody, welcome to Overbooked with Mike Freeland. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of Overbooked. Once again, I am your host, Mike Freeland. Uh, We are covering the Sabu book. We are covering the autobiography of Sabu. And if you remember on our last episode, we went ahead and we did the forward. Now we're actually going to be moving on to what is chapter zero. And this one's entitled In the Dark. Deja Vu. Did you ever smell or taste something that transported you back to another time and place? Did you ever get hit with something? Just the right combo of stuff that unburied a memory at the worst time that you were trying to hide in the back of your head. It was WrestleMania 23. I was almost under my biggest spotlight ever. There, I was ready, and I was ready to focus. But something else in my brain was about to get in the way. My pre-match rituals. I was jogging around, trying to get my heart rate going. I was jumping up and down and warming up when we finally got our signal. Time. It was off to the races. I rushed down the hall towards my biggest audience of all time. The hair stood on the back of my neck. My adrenaline was pumping. I dodged a few people in my path, and I heard my music. I found myself standing only a few feet away from the ramp that would put me out in front of 80,000 people at Ford Field in Detroit. Then it hit me. A familiar taste. There was a numbing sensation, like a dry feeling on the roof of my mouth that I couldn't swallow it away. I took a swig of water to try to kill it, but the water went down funny, and the dryness followed with almost the smell of ammonia. Yeah, I was about to work with some old familiar foes, but remembering a match in an old bingo hall wasn't the nice nostalgic flashback I was about to have at all. Things really started to change. I tried to swallow hard, but I couldn't. I closed my eyes. The thousands of voices of the fans had stopped. I remember two people dancing. Then darkness. My head is spinning. Where am I? Is this what it's like to be dead? What happened to me? I can't focus on what's going on right now, let alone remember the past. I remember that something hit me in the face, but it felt like long ago. Was it days, months, or even years when it happened? I tried to swallow again, but can't. My eyes are shut. Nothing makes sense. Everything just went black. The voices stopped, but everything is spinning. It feels like a dream. I try to remember, why am I here? And finally it comes to me and it hit me like a bullet in the face. It was midnight again, in a little corner of my brain. I was back in Lansing, Michigan. Two people danced in front of me as I stepped out of the way at the last second. Mariachi music was jamming. Some familiar old faces were drinking beer and eating empanadas. Some were smoking. A bunch of my friends were there. They were all wearing their bow ties and rocking their pointy shoes, just like they were going to church. Some people were finally bumping into me, and I realized that I was at such a big event. They were greeting me with high fives. I was 19 again. I just walked across the street from the garage where I had been living for almost a year. There was Robert. He was a year younger than me. 
He laughed in his little voice. It was a milestone achievement, and I had the idea that everyone that I knew was here, like a big graduation party. While it wasn't much, his friends threw in all the money they could to make the party special for Rob. Rob had always helped us out so many times before, so we all figured it was worth it. He was a good friend of ours. There was quite a spread. There was rice and beans and tacos, and there was a burrito bar. Oh, and there was beer. Being underage, it was a little tough to get booze, but somehow we managed. The drinks were going fast, though. Not even an hour into it, there was only a few beers left in the little red igloo cooler, and only a little whiskey left underneath the table in the grass. One of the boys elbowed me and pointed at the dwindling supply. We gotta do something about this, he said. I nodded. It was July 18th of 1983. I remember the date well because it was only one day after my brother John's 21st birthday. A few of the guys who had gone to my brother's birthday party the week before had joined us for these festivities. Pretty much everyone was Mexican, except for me, and a couple of guys who we never saw before who were crossing the street towards our lawn. Hey, a six foot two, almost 300 pound African American said. He came up to me and kind of invaded my personal space. Mind if me and my brothers come over? I ignored him and I turned to look away. It really wasn't my place to answer, and I wasn't much of a talker anyhow. One of the other guys took my cue and spoke up for me. Sorry, man. Private party, you know. The two strangers shrugged and disappeared back to washing their Lincoln across the street, as they had done for most of the night. It must be that smell, Robert said. Like hungry dogs, they've been wandering all around here all night looking for a taste of our food. Back then, I was no stranger to drinking, but it didn't take much to put a little buzz on me, especially mixing of the drinks. Off on the other side of the house, there was a little fire. A couple of guys were hanging around in the shadows. Everything. The strangers scored, asking me, Hey, going to the party? We finally said, Do you guys want to come over? Just bring your own drinks and you can. That's all they needed to hear. It wasn't long before I had a gut feeling that their invite was a bad idea. I kept my eyes on them as they filled their plates and their bellies. I mean, I wasn't going to be staring at them or anything, but I knew that the big guy was bad news. A few of the other guys finally returned with a refill with the coolers. I was talking to one of the girls I kind of liked. When over in the corner of my eyes, I was surveying the first red flags of what would be an argument. I think it was a fight over the strangers grabbing drinks and not living up to their agreement. The alcohol was in my system. It slowed my response. I saw what was happening, but it was all in slow motion. I turned to see the bigger one of the two thugs arguing with my friend Jose. Then he reached into his pants and pulled something out. He held it like a country western. Pop, pop! I smelled gunpowder. As Joe stepped back, his white shirt flooded with red. Everything happened so fast. I looked in the crowd, and everything changed. I ran into the mess, pushing my own friends aside, looking for the shooter in the center. Joe was on the ground, holding his stomach. When the shooter fired a second shot, he actually missed Joe with the recoil from the shot, and the bullet hit my friend Richard in the hip. I saw red. I was pissed. As three or four of my boys pulled away, the smaller of the two strangers... I speared the shooter with my shoulder, knocking the gun out of his hand and far out of his reach. 
We both hit the dirt. We rolled around. He definitely had a good 60 to 70 pounds on me, but that didn't matter. Whap! Just as I pulled back to hit him again, he pushed something under my chin and my head snapped back. What the fuck was that? Brass knuckles? A roll of quarters, maybe? As I suggested and tried to say something, I struggled to get free. It didn't take long before I found out. Pop! Everyone, everyone got mad and everything went black. There was a loud ping like a bell that rang right in my ears. It was like hitting a hammer on an anvil. I was deaf. I saw stars with my eyes closed. I saw, saw purple flashes and red flashes, and then it felt like I was underwater. After a few moments, it felt like an eternity, my senses started to trickle back. I knew what had happened, but I couldn't fucking believe it. That cocksucker had two guns. The first one knocked over in the dirt, and then he had some kind of pistol. The second one was a thirty-two. Holy shit. A numbing sensation crawled over my jaw and crept over my whole face. I had a dry feeling in the roof of my mouth. My tongue was splintered, and it tasted like acid ammonia in my mouth. I couldn't swallow. Everything was wet and gritty. My gums felt like cotton, and every sucking breath that I took, there was a big, thick cloud of gunpowder that just wouldn't go away. I crawled off the shooter on all fours. My vision was foggy. The people around me gasped. There was a swirling crowd around my head. To me, it looked like a gray halo. I looked up to my friends, and I tried to tell them I was okay, but nothing really came out. I could see that my friends were starting to panic, but I just wanted to keep calm. I pulled myself to my feet and staggered off away from the grass. I wriggled my tongue around to take inventory of my teeth. There was exposed roots. My four front teeth were pretty much gone, leaving only a few sharp, jagged remnants behind. There was so much residue. I sucked hard on what was left of my chompers and then spit hard into the sidewalk. It was a syrupy rope that fell from my jaw. I felt little chunks of teeth drop out over the numbness of my lips. Then I looked down on the pavement. I felt nauseous looking at a mixture of bone shards, blood, and bullet pieces. Luckily for me, my teeth were shattered, so it wasn't the bullet I had taken. But that fucker... Man... That thing could have ended up in my brain. Some of the shrapnel, however, did head north. The bits exploded towards my palate and nasal cavity and pieces of jagged parts of the bullet around my throat. The back of my throat was still sharp to this day. I could feel a hole in the upper portion of my mouth, just to the left of my nose, maybe a half an inch or so. I had gunpowder burns all over my mouth and cheeks. You motherfucker, you shot me in the face, and you couldn't even have picked another spot. After he shot me, I backed off of him, but my friends immediately went to attack mode and beat him. After getting my bearings back, I saw maybe a dozen Mexicans stomping the living shit out of that asshole. I immediately got jealous. I wanted to stomp him too. You shot me in the face. Teeth or no teeth, I wanted my revenge. I squinted hard in the middle of the circle. I found my target. Then, I ran like a field goal kicker, ready to kick that asshole right in the face. My boys knew what was up. They saw me coming and parted way to give me my moment. Before I could kick him, the whole ground lit up. Then there were sirens. The shooter looked as much 
worse for wear as I did. My boys had already kicked the living shit out of him, and I was standing over his motionless body. Get on the ground, I heard from a voice say behind me. I put my hands up in the air and watched in terror as they located the gun at my feet, thinking it was mine. Wait, it, it wasn't me. From behind, someone pulled both of my hands together and spun my body around and cuffed me. My eyes immediately went out of focus. I looked down and saw the second gun that shot me for a moment, smoking still in the grass. I turned my head away to look away from the headlights and realized I was being pushed towards a police car. Wait, wait, no! It was, it was the, the fucking black guy. I started spitting blood, but I could barely talk. There, him! He shot the gun, and he shot at me! Now in my mind, I figured the cop behind me should have heard what I had said and, and realized that I was actually the victim and let me go. Literally everyone there was Mexican. It would have been pretty easy to identify who the shooter was with just that description, however. The cop behind me didn't take any of my word. He didn't drop me. He seemed to shove me even harder. Did you hear me? It was the fucking black guy over there, I said. It's the fucking asshole. I heard you the first time, the faceless voice behind me replied. He jacked up my arms over my head, and a sharp pain jolted into my shoulder. I fell face first into the pavement. Little pebbles poked into me like needles that stuck into my chin. It didn't matter. He yanked me back up off the ground and continued to march me toward the car. When we got there, he spun me half around. He held my cuffed arms in one hand and opened the rear passenger door with the other. I was finally able to look up and make eye contact with my angry arresting officer. Oh shit, the cop's a black guy. Did say, did, did saying fucking black guy piss him off? Ah, oh, shit. Bad timing. I was in the wrong place at the wrong time, and he took what I said the wrong way. I screamed, Fucking black guy! Only for description purposes, so the officer knew who to arrest because everyone else was Latino. It wasn't meant to be racist, but I could see why he may have perceived it as a slur. Cops deal with assholes every day. I get it. But color was the only point of reference I really had. Rather than to protect the predator's head and lower me into the car, as you would see on TV, he twisted me hard and threw me into the car. My face went down, somewhere where your feet are supposed to go, and my ass was right up in the air. With his foot, the policeman pushed my butt so hard to clear the door, then he slammed it behind me. For about ten minutes, I wiggled and wriggled around, inch by inch, to try to adjust myself into a seated position in the back of the squad car. The back of my head kept hitting the bottom lip of the protective plexiglass divider between the front and back seats. I watched as a pool of my own blood started to form on the floor mat came from my face. I had no visible bullet wounds. Upside down with my arms behind my back, I thought I was going to choke to death in the back of that car. Finally, the paramedic came, along with a few other police cars. Fortunately for me, my cousin was one of the guys from the rescue team. When he got out of the ambulance, one of my boys recognized him and rushed over to him and told him what happened. Hey, you got your cousin Terry. He's in the back of the car, he said. He is the one who got shot, but he was on his feet and he couldn't tell. My cousin went up to the police who were trying to get a report from someone who barely spoke English at the party. He finally cleared everything up and they switched me from the back of the police car and gave me my belongings and put me in the ambulance. 
I'm just going to tell my mom I got hit in the face with a baseball bat. Then I'm going to leave. The ride to the hospital was hell. The numbness and shock and adrenaline started to wear off. Everything started to hurt. I touched my missing teeth again with the tip of my tongue. My mouth was a mangled mess. Chunks of meat hanging down. On the way to the hospital, I kept telling myself that I would soon be alright and I'd get stitched up. But I had no idea. My head felt really light. My hands started to tingle. I don't remember even making it to the hospital. It was all that darkness. I lost so much blood. The rest of what happened were like puzzle pieces because I was in and out of consciousness. Minutes of my life were missing. I was opening and closing my eyes within hours in between. I think I could hear my mother crying. I wanted to tell her that I'm going to be okay, but I really couldn't talk. I couldn't even open my mouth. I was fully aware one moment and then fast asleep the next. The combination of pain medication is trying to counter all the craziness. They say sleep is the closest thing to death. I finally sat straight up on the hospital cot, and then everything was clear. Some motherfucker tried to kill me. I didn't talk. I had been out of it for days. The reason I was hooked up to a feeding tube was finally as clear as shit, and it was getting pumped into me. I lost a lot of time after that. Everything was getting thrown into that cop car. It's all I could remember. I had a glimpse of my mother crying in the chair next to me. I also had slides of my uncle patting me on the shoulder and sitting close. That meant the world to me. The people who meant the most gave me the few moments of comfort. What the fuck? I got shot in the mouth. I had no idea what was going on with the guy who had shot me. I could see his face. I could feel his hard breath against mine as we were struggling on the ground. I wondered what had happened to that guy who left me to die. Confidence. During my four days in the hospital, I started to get tough mentally. I knew I stood up to that giant of a man trying to protect my friends. I had survived getting shot in the face. What could be even worse than that? And during the experience after everything happened made me stronger. The guy who shot me might have been able to take my teeth, but he gave me resilience. My mother was curled up in the chair next to me, passed out after crying herself to sleep again. I eventually crawled out of that horrible hospital bed. My back ached. My head was still groggy from the leftover traces of medication in my veins. I stumbled over to the bathroom and looked into the mirror for the first time. With my head lifted, my mouth closed, I could barely see any evidence of what had happened. It's only until I looked up I saw that I had a fat lip. I pushed my lip down and looked under, under my nose. Despite the redness, there was only a little tiny hole. Then I lifted my upper lip up and opened my mouth. It was a horror show. The real damage from the bullet was all on the inside. Everything the upper front portion of my teeth was a wreck. Shards poked out of these little broken pieces were in my gums. There was still bleeding happening. They can't leave it like this, can they? I look like a fucking gremlin. It's funny. Some people have nightmares about losing teeth. Teeth are, in many cultures, looked as a sign of success and wealth. Having your teeth, to many, is a status symbol. However, I didn't think about any of that at the time. At least I was alive. The loss of my teeth strangely didn't bother me. I didn't smile much anyway, so I really didn't care. But I couldn't chew food. 
I could only really drink protein shakes. That's exactly why I was doing them. He wanted to talk to me, my friend Tony, who had come by, but he knew I couldn't respond. So rather than that, to cause me more distress, he just walked over to my bed and shook his head. Then he held up a huge bag and dumped a massive stack of wrestling magazines on my lap. I tried my best to smile. Tony nodded. He was a good friend. When Tony left, I wasn't alone. Billy Graham was there. Dusty Rhodes was there. Sergeant Slaughter was there. They were all there for me. I flipped through all those pages like a kid in a candy store. Sorry to interrupt, a nurse said coming into the room to give me a nice ice pack. I was supposed to hold that bag on my face, but I just didn't do it. The moment she left, I would drop the coolness onto the floor and I dug right back into the pile of magazines. I thumbed through the magazines and looked at the covers. I saw Ric Flair, I saw Jesse Ventura, and then I came across one edition with a very familiar face on the cover. Before me, right there in my lap, was a bloody mess, a picture of my uncle, the Sheik. As a kid, my uncle was pretty much my father figure. He was around more than my dad was. I didn't really know my real father. I mean, I knew who he was, but we didn't have a relationship. I really looked up to my uncle. I had hoped to one day follow in his footsteps. At the point, more than ever before, it was the best thing I could think of. If I could survive, that's all I needed to do. I figured I could totally handle a shitty match in a ring. It was finally time for me to make my move and ask my uncle the question. I know my mother didn't want to see me in a wrestling ring, but I didn't care. I got on the phone and started dialing my uncle. After surviving a bullet to the face, I knew it was time. So, I asked, struggling to get the words out of my mangled mouth and hoping for the best. So, will you train me to wrestle? Flash forward. Not too long after that, I was stepping into my first wrestling ring. And sometime after that, I was stepping into the ring at WrestleMania 23. Smelling the pyro in the air, I swallowed hard. The acid taste down. It was my biggest match ever. I shook it off. I looked around the arena at the biggest crowd ever watching me. I once took a fucking bullet to the face. This match doesn't mean shit. That's going to do it for Chapter Zero, guys. Um, I hope you guys really enjoyed it. I did. I learned a lot more about Cebu. You know what's interesting? You think about deja vu and in, in what he said earlier on in this chapter how certain tastes smells memories take you back to a place in time that you might not have wanted to remember again or maybe some repressed memories that were just too hard to live through at the time but now they somehow flood back and they take you to face some things that you might not have wanted to face or chose to face when they were happening originally now that we know that the smell of that pyro and it was hard to breathe and to swallow and it gave him that taste in his mouth that took him back to when he was shot in the face and everything that transpired after that and, and how that eventually led him to having a phone conversation with his uncle to tell him that he was ready to wrestle. We're probably going to find out more about the relationship he had with his uncle and obviously the one he didn't end up having with his father and how this ultimately affects the relationship he has with his mother. All right, everybody, that is going to wrap up chapter zero here in the Sabu book. Join us next episode where we actually jump into chapter one of the book. 
But if you guys would be awesome and go ahead and hit a follow on our Twitch page, we would love that. We're looking to go ahead and obviously get as many people to follow the show as possible because each and every Tuesday night from starting at 8 p.m. until probably right around 11 o'clock, we do Future Stars Now and Front Row Material where we are live on Twitch. We'd love to have you jump into the chat with us and join us, your comments, your questions, not only for the panel, myself, but also for the individuals that we bring on. However, with that being said, we will catch you on the next episode of Overbooked.